Do you want to know what it takes to make Newcastle United a successful side? Do you want to learn the secret about what goes on in the boardroom? Do you want to know what it takes to turn Newcastle from a relegation threatened side into one that very nearly won the Premier League title? I think you just might. I'm talking about the entertainers era under Kevin Keegan, that fast-flowing electric football, the one that lasts long in the memory, the side that may well be the reason you are a Newcastle United fan. Well, to look back on that time, I've gone and got the man who bankrolled Kevin Keegan, the man who signed the checks to allow Sir Les Ferdinand, Alan Shearer and countless other superstars to arrive on Tyneside and get within touching distance of the Premier League title. Yes, Sir John Hall. He is a late but very special addition to the Everything is Black and White podcast live taking place on Wednesday, August 30th at the Tyneside Irish Centre. Not long to go till the event and not many tickets remain on sale either, but there are a few that you can get your hands on. I'm going to pop the link into the description, click on that, go through to the website and secure your tickets now. It's going to be a great evening. We're going to talk about the Newcastle United of the current day, the transfer market, the Champions League and Eddie Howe. We've got the times of Henry Winter. We've got BBC Newcastle's Matthew Wiesbeck and, of course, our great panel here from the Chronicle. But Sir John Hall, what a magical name to add to the bill. We cannot wait. We hope to see you there. So click that link, secure your tickets to the Everything is Black and White podcast live. Hello and welcome to the Everything Is Black and White podcast. It's time for the view from the opposition, and this week it comes from Joe Bray, the Manchester City writer at the Manchester Evening News. Joe, welcome to the show. How are you keeping? Yeah, not too bad. Thanks. Thanks for having us. You're very, very welcome. I'm, I'm very excited about Saturday's game. I said it last week about Newcastle versus Aston Villa. If, I, if I've got the neutral hat on, I think it's a great game for supporters of uh, anyone who doesn't support City or Newcastle. I think it's, uh, it's going to be an entertaining one. I think there's only one place to start, though, and that is the Super Cup. Uh, City, the mm-hmm. winners, beating Seville 5-4 on penalties. Uh, afterwards, Pep Guardiola had a little swipe at the Premier League for scheduling the clash with Newcastle for Saturday night. Uh, what are your thoughts on, on first off, playing the Super Cup in you know, just after the, the opening weekend of, the, of the, the Premier League, so close to the second fixture, and as well as what uh, Pep had to say about um, scheduling it for Saturday. Well, he never misses an opportunity to have a go at the schedulers and the Premier League and UEFA and who went for uh, making City for as many games and success because if they were going to play the Super Cup, it was going to be on that date and then. They had to play this game. So I think it's a little bit frustrating from City's point of view that TNT Sports chose the game because that means it had to be played on the Saturday. Guardiola's gripe was that it wasn't on the Sunday or the Monday. So yes, it's it's annoying. But if, if it has to be on the Saturday, then from City's point of view, eight o'clock is better than 12.30. Now that has a knock-on effect because any Newcastle fans coming down to Manchester for the game won't be able to get back, which is an, an issue in itself. And it's, it's just it's just not good enough, is it, from the from the authorities? But I think in the circumstances, if they have to play it on a Saturday, then he will complain. But he'll be happier than uh, happier playing it at eight o'clock than at twelve thirty. I think. Yeah, the eight pm kickoff is an it's an absolute mm. disgrace. But Newcastle fans, our listeners and viewers are are no stranger to being screwed over by uh, the TV yeah, companies. For want of a better phrase, I mean, how are 
how is anyone meant to get back? Obviously, most people would just be stopping over and driving. It's mm-hmm. no consideration for the fans, and, and it's it's something that needs to be looked at on a wider basis. I think. Um, mm-hmm. the, on the on the Super Cup, we would we've been discussing this in the office through the week about whether as a manager you want that fixture um, as soon as the Premier League's kicked off, or whether you'd want it kind of as a pre-season friendly, a bit like the Charity Shield. What what what's your view on it? Obviously, they've won it. That's a good thing for City. That'll breed that kind of winning mentality. Not that they the need to breed it anymore because it is what City's built upon. But what what do you make of it? it? You know, is it the right time for for them to be playing that game? Do you think? It, it's it's a hard one, isn't it? They didn't look like a team who were ready to play the game. If if you know what I mean, they, they looked a bit disjointed and and tired and. They, they didn't look like they'd quite got up to speed. So having that game, it finished at, I think, one o'clock or midnight in, in Greece, and then they've got to fly back and, and play the game in, in two days' time. It's it's not ideal. Um, but the way that City approached it was, if we're going to play it, if we've got to play it, let's go and win it, because you don't play that game often. You only play that game if you won the Champions League or the Europa League and City, obviously, until May, hadn't ever won the Champions League. So I think they, they approached it as a an opportunity and a chance to sort of cement their sort of status in Europe because we all know that they've they've dominated the Premier League for so long. Europe is where they want to go next. And yes, it's a Super Cup. It's, you know, players aren't going to retire and think, oh, oh my God, I won the Super Cup. But they're also not going to turn down an opportunity to, to win a trophy like that. So um, I, I would say that the timing of it probably isn't great just because they've not had many training sessions. They've, they've obviously had the community shield as well, which again is not, it's somewhere in between a friendly and a competitive game, isn't it? But it's still a game where you've got to put a lot of effort in. So I, I think the preparations for this season haven't been ideal for City, but the uh, the confidence of winning a trophy and, and doing it on penalties, which if you're a City fan, penalties are not the best friend at the best of times. And they lost the community shield on penalties. Then they've not got a good record from 12 yards to score five out of five and, and win the, the Super Cup on penalties will give them a lot of confidence going into Saturday. And to do it without Kevin De Bruyne as well, be a massive boost for, for Pep and, and his squad. Just talk to us about how big of a blow it is not to have De Bruyne available, not just for Saturday, but it appears for for, for many, many months. And, and who is the man that Pep's going to uh, trust to replace him in the midfield? Uh, that's a good question. We've been uh, trying to wrestle with that one for for a while. I mean, he, he played two months, he said, with a hamstring injury at the end of the season, and he was so good. I mean, I'm thinking they played Arsenal at home and he, he ran the show with Erling Haaland and that effectively won them the Premier League. And the, the Champions League, they, they played Bayern Munich, Real Madrid, and he was he was brilliant. And then it ju- he just came up short in the in the final and had to limp off. He, he used the summer to get back and played in the Community Shield, and then it's it's aggravated itself again. And it seems like I don't know whether he rushed himself back. It sounds like he was fit to play. It's just unlucky, but he's uh, yeah he's out for a while, and it will be a big blow. And looking towards the end of last season, the influence he had. When, when De Bruyne is at his best, City are almost unstoppable because he's such a good player. And I mean, Newcastle will be no strangers to that. And it, it's one of them, I think, if they were going to lose any player, maybe apart from Erling Haaland, I think De Bruyne is the one that they would not want that to happen to. But uh, if it's going to happen on the, other fl- on the flip side of that, you probably want it to happen at the start of the season when City often come into their own around Christmas and when the fixtures are coming around the new year period 
So if he's back for that, then that could be a boost in itself. In terms of who can replace him, it's tricky because they've lost Ilkay Gundogan. So they are, they were already a man light in that midfield. Matteo Kovacic has come in and he was sort of positioned as the replacement without being a direct replacement. He can't do the job of both Gundogan and De Bruyne. A lot of fans want to see Phil Foden in midfield. He played very, very well in the Champions League final in the centre. I really like him when he plays there, but the last couple of times Guardiola's been asked about it, he said, oh, well, no, he's, he's still a winger. He's still got a lot to learn and he's he's poured cold water on that a little bit. I thought in the Super Cup, Foden was good in that number 10 role, but didn't give Haaland the support that perhaps De Bruyne or Gundogan would. So you've got the players, you've got Bernardo Silva as well, who looks like he's going to stay. But then Bernardo Silva will be needed on the right-hand side because we had Mahrez as, as left. So, yeah, it's it feels like they're a man or two light, especially with the, uh, the De Bruyne injury. And there's a couple of names that might be coming in. But at the moment, I would say there's a there's a place there's a place light there, I think, in, in that midfield. Is the impact of De Bruyne's injury a little bit worse because of the players, like you just mentioned there, who have left this summer? You know, you, you certainly have allowed, you know, two or three really good players, two or three really crucial players to what they've achieved over the last few campaigns to leave. And, you know, the impact maybe isn't felt as much when you have got De Bruyne firing on all cylinders, but here he is, he's out injured. And if that was to be the case, then you would have relied on the likes of going to Dan and, 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 and Morris to maybe fill in a little bit in terms of getting the, the creative element to, towards Haaland. So is the impact felt a little bit worse because those two specifically have left? Yeah, I think that's fair. I think when when you have a player leave, they've, they've had a lot of key players leave every summer, but they've always had more experienced players or senior players to step up. And De Bruyne's been one of those players. And in Gundogan's absence, De Bruyne is is the captain really. And when they when the players vote on the captaincy, I would expect that De Bruyne is is named the the next captain of City. But without him, then you lose that as well. You lose that leadership and. Maris had the experience. Gundogan obviously was was captain to captain them to a treble. So to to lose De Bruyne in, in that sense as well, it's only one game. But I got the impression in the Super Cup they were just lacking something in in that midfield and someone to say right, it's not it's not going our way. It's going a bit against us. Let's just calm down, put up, put our foot on the ball and and do it. And there was no one to to do that. Bernardo will come back. De Bruyne when he's when he's fit again will come back. But at the moment, I feel like there's. Again, there's, there's just something lacking that uh, maybe Newcastle can exploit at the weekend. Fingers crossed from uh, Newcastle United's <laughs> perspective, indeed. Um, any other changes that you're expecting on on Saturday? I mean, it's quite hard sometimes to predict, isn't it? Pep Guardiola's uh, a start in 11, but is there any kind of insight you can give to, to I mean, was there anything that happened in this? I'll, I'll admit I didn't watch the Super Cup, so um, did, did you learn anything from, from, from the game against Seville that... Pep might take into Saturday's game against Newcastle? Well, they were missing John Stones and, and Ruben Diaz. Diaz had a concussion. Stones had a minor injury. Both were on the bench. So I think they will be available um, to face Newcastle. And that will be a big boost for City. Like they had Manu Akanji and Nathan Ake in, in the centre, both very good players. But I, I would guess that that centre back pairing is probably the sixth choice centre back pairing that, that City have if they have. Uh, Diaz and Stones back that would make them a bit more comfortable at the back Josko Gradiol made his full debut at left back he looked okay but he's I believe he's more of a centre back so 
maybe Nathan Ake can go out to the left and as he played so well last season um, in midfield. It, it feels like it will be Rodri, Kovacic and then maybe Foden again, maybe Julian Alvarez behind uh, Haaland. If Bernardo Silva is, is back, he was ill for the Super Cup, then he will probably play either in the centre or out wide. It's It will depend on those players and, and whether they're back and, and they're fit or not. But uh, I think we're also seeing this season that there's a, a sort of a, a belief that City have this incredible squad depth and two two teams that can go and win the Premier League. But they've only got about, I think, 16, 17, 18 players who you would consider as, as sort of senior experienced players. When you lose a couple of those to injury, the, the options are quite quite thin on the ground. So they will need those players who missed out to come back and uh, help them in what will be a very tough game on Saturday. Yeah, it will be a tough game. And we were talking on the match preview episode about who starts up front for Newcastle and, and I suggested that maybe Eddie Howe might make a, a change because of, of who, who Newcastle are playing. I got shouted down by my co-host, John Gibson, and he said it's going to be Isaac. He scored you know, two in, in the opening uh, game for Newcastle. And I was, you know, I, I looked at it and looked at the, the defensive pairing that City had against Burnley and uh, particularly um, Akanji, and just thought, if it's Isaac or if it's Wilson, for me, there's the weak link. I, am, I, am I being unfair on on, on him? Uh, I, I really like Akanji, and I think what you get from him is versatility. He's played right back, left back in the centre, and he, he's barely put a foot wrong. He's, he can partner anyone. He can play on the left side of defence, right side of defence. But I think you are right. He would probably be... The weak link. It was interesting. Sevilla's goal uh, in the Super Cup came because Enesiri worked his way in away from Akanji and in between Ake and Gradiol. It, it felt like he was taking advantage of what was a bit of an inexperienced back line. So depending on who plays there, and obviously what you get with City as well is at least one of those defenders will push up into midfield. So there is space to exploit there. You have you have to sort of account for the the extra man in midfield in that situation, but. At times last season, City were playing with genuinely just Ruben Diaz at the back as they attacked. There was a one-man defence at times, so there will be space to exploit. And whenever I see Isaac and and Wilson, they are always moving, and, and that is something that will cause City problems. If John Stones does come back in, is he match fit? Will he be up to scratch? Will he be ready for, for what Newcastle will, will ultimately throw at him? Um, I think he missed Burnley because it was a sort of a minor hip injury, and it's probably not one that you miss, that you uh, risk him in the Super Cup. But he was there; he's trained. Um, he was on the bench, so yeah, maybe maybe he'll come in. I'm I'm sure Guardiola will give us an update on on Friday before before the game. But you know, Guardiola will say someone's not ready and then throw them in. He said Guardiola was probably not going to play before uh, next week against Sheffield United, and then he handed him his debut. So yeah, we. <laughs> Who knows until that team team comes out? Do you know what? Our listeners will be saying we see exactly the same thing about <laughs> Eddie Howe. If he tells me today at the time of recording is Thursday, I'll be checking the calendar yeah. to make sure it definitely is. But um, that's what the, the best managers seem to be doing. We mentioned there the Burnley game, a 3-0 win for Manchester City. Fair to say they didn't really get out of first gear. It was quite a, it was a, it was a bit of a stroll for them. Yeah, well it helps when you score early on, doesn't it? And when Erling Haaland's scoring like that, then, I mean, it happened so many times last season. Haaland will score a goal or two and the game's pretty much won. And uh, yeah, I think at the moment, City just feeling their way into it and Burnley could have been a tricky one, but getting that early goal, 
getting in ahead at half time, I think, yeah, City were fairly comfortable and we'll be quite happy with that. I think Newcastle will be almost the opposite. I don't think, I think if City could choose a game to play directly after the Super Cup with a short turnaround, I don't think, I think Newcastle will be very, very far down on the list of, of preferences because it will just be a very, very difficult game. I mean, it's quite something that you can say that with a straight face these days because yeah, we definitely. know previously Newcastle would rock up at Manchester City, rock up the Etihad, and it would be a training session for Manchester mm-hmm. City. And if Newcastle kept their scoreline below three or four, it was seen as a bonus under the previous ownership. But here Newcastle United are you know, making a statement in the opening day with 5-1 victory over Aston Villa. Um, and you know that they're going to give Manchester City a really good uh, game on, on Saturday. Um, how do you think City will approach the game tactically? It's really hard to say. They they didn't look great, I'll be honest, in the Super Cup. They looked a bit tired and disjointed. If they get those key players back that I've mentioned, then I think they'll look a bit solid. Um, it's the first game that, that they're back at the Etihad since they won the treble. It, it should be a party atmosphere for, for the City fans and they've obviously just got another trophy to, to add to, to the collection. They always play on the front foot at the Etihad. I don't think it'll be any different. I think uh, if they abandon that, they'll be asking for trouble. Um, and as we say, when you've got Erling Haaland, then you can always get a goal or two. Um, I just think back to a year ago when City were at St. James's Park earlier in the season and Guardiola was saying, oh, it's not going to be easy. It's not going to be easy at all. And it was a fantastic game. It was 3-3, wasn't it? And that actually prompted City to go back into the market and get Manu Akanji because Guardiola felt that they needed another defender. And I get the feeling that Newcastle will post City problems they'll be full of confidence as you say they they used to go to the Etihad and wait to be beaten but I think Newcastle will go and sense an opportunity City are probably weaker than they were last season just because of the injuries and the absentees and they've not fully replaced all the players who've left yet I think that Newcastle will sense an opportunity and and want to make a statement so uh, yeah I'm I'm expecting quite a, a tight but also an open game because I think the only way City can get through what is bit of a rough patch in terms of where their squad is at in terms of uh, tiredness and and not having all the players available. I think the best way for City to go about it will just be to attack. It's going to be really interesting. And what we saw against Aston Villa from Newcastle point of view is that they were very good when they had possession of the ball. They were calm. They were comfortable passing it around the back, you know, and just waiting for the moment that they could get forward into the box. But equally, there were times when Aston Villa were on top of them and they handled that really well and that turned into a into a counter-attack and when Newcastle counter, they really do it well. And then you had Newcastle showing their ability to press really high. So you kind of had like three or four different approaches from Newcastle in, in one game and I'm just wondering, out of those ones that I've mentioned, so being comfortable in possession, we, we assume that won't happen because that'll be City's kind of mm-hmm. uh, approach to the game. So I'm assuming it would be probably, well, yeah, how will City deal with either the high press or Newcastle hitting them on the counter? Because I think that'll be one of those, or perhaps both, would be the way Newcastle could get the, the better of City. I think City enjoy it when a team presses them high and goes toe-to-toe. I'm looking at the Arsenal games last season. City are so used to players, uh, teams putting 10-11 men behind the ball. Arsenal came out and went toe-to-toe and were pushing really high into City's box even. But that's when City played around them and enjoyed the space. And when you give Erling Haaland the space to run into, he doesn't often miss. And he doesn't get that when 
players are, are putting two blocks of five uh, in their own box. So that might be something that Newcastle want to avoid. It, it's an opportunity to get chances, but City will also make chances with that and they like playing on the counter and, and working through a high press. I'm thinking of the Super Cup, Sevilla played the counter pretty effectively and had two or three chances where they probably should have scored, one of which they did score. That might be the better option on the, on the counter-attack because City did look a bit shaky on the, on Wednesday in, in Athens in the Super Cup. Got to make sure that you take the chances. And that's a good thing about this Newcastle United uh, team. They seem to be really clinical in front of goal. Given how well Newcastle played on the opening day of the season and given how well they did last season and the way Eddie Howe's got them set up, just how wary of Newcastle will Guardiola be? I think even before Newcastle had the really good season last year, Guardiola was was wary and he was talking them up and he was probably one of the, the first managers in the Premier League to say, watch out for these guys. These are going to break into, into the top four before long. And I mean, again, I'm thinking back to that game last year, the 3-3, and we were sitting there. I think City had won the first two games and, or, you know, it'll be tough, but City will win it. And Guardiola said, no, no you know, it's going to be very difficult. And, and likewise with the game at the Etihad, it was 2-0 to City, but it wasn't easy. And uh, was, was there a really big chance that Newcastle missed that would have really changed the game? I can't remember, but um, I mean, yeah, Guardiola will 100% take Newcastle seriously. And especially with his complaints about the scheduling, all of that considered, he will be, uh, he'll be worried. But I would also say that sometimes when you get the best of Guardiola, because if he takes a team seriously, he he always has a plan of, of how to beat them. Yes, yeah, certainly does. I mean, arguably the world's best uh, the best <laughs> manager at the moment. And uh, that's exactly why. Uh, what is City's biggest strength then? If, if there's one thing you would say to Eddie Howe, you've definitely got to watch out for this, what would it be? I mean, is it too easy to say Haaland? He's, <laughs> he's not scored in, in the finals that he's played, but he scored two against Burnley. He's He's not deterred by a game that he doesn't score. If anything, that makes him want to go and, and score more. I think in the last few months of the season, we also saw his build-up play and his link-up play get better and better. So you you cannot leave him alone for a second. If you, if you take your eye off him for a second, he's he's got space and he'll, he'll probably score. I would also say the, the tactic of playing four centre-backs or whoever plays at the back of two or three moving into midfield at, at any one point is... Is something that City are getting better and better at. And if Stones plays particularly, that is something that, that he'll look to do. And I've not seen a team successfully stop City with that yet. Uh, you, you can try and stop that, but if you focus on one aspect of City, then another aspect is, is going to hurt you. So it's, uh, it's, it's, it must be a nightmare trying to stop City, but it can be done and it, it has been done. You mentioned Haaland. I mean, there's been a, a, some debate on, on this podcast this week about... Alexander Izak and, and how he kind of lines up against Haaland. Um, my co-host yesterday argued that actually, in his opinion, Izak is the better striker than Haaland and Haaland's the better goal scorer, which I thought was quite an interesting point. And on Monday, uh, my other co-host said that only Haaland betters Izak in terms of being the best striker in the Premier League. And again, I go back to what I said at the start of the show. If you're a neutral, I do think you are watching two of the best strikers, I want to say in Europe uh, on Saturday night, going up against uh, each other. And I think it's going to be a really fascinating battle of of the defences, really, because as you say, Haaland, 
give him a, a chance and he more than likely will score. But we're seeing that with Isaac as well from a Newcastle point of view. And I was going to ask you, from what you've seen of Newcastle, is, is there one player that you're looking forward to seeing and at the same time you think Guardiola might have him pinned up on the on the dressing room wall saying this is the man we're going to have to start? Um, yeah, I mean, Isaac is, is an easy one to start with. He's... He scores a lot of very good striker goals and not always the most spectacular, but I mean, Haaland only scored one outside of the box in his 52 last season. To to be a good striker and score a lot of goals, sometimes they're the ones you want, aren't they? And uh, I always enjoy watching Kieran Trippier personally. I think he's a, a very good good player and he's got a fantastic right foot and, and enjoy that. I always come back to as well, Guardiola really doesn't like Joe Linton. He always praises... Joe Linton and uh, and mentions his sort of running through the midfield. So uh, players like that, I think uh, Newcastle are direct when they get the ball, they attack quite quick. Um, and I also think Harvey Barnes is a very good signing. Um, I'm really excited to see what he can do at, at Newcastle. So yeah, those sort of uh, names, I think City will be looking out for. Yeah, I think Joe Linton's going to be key on, on Saturday. I think that midfield battle is going to be really interesting one to watch. And I think that's where Joe Linton kind of comes in to his own because He's, you know, he's really good going forward now. He carries the ball. He's adding goals to his game, but he's got that physical element where he just runs straight through you. And he's, uh, when he smells blood, he's he's after you. And it's going to be a really interesting battle to see who comes out on top. And he's, you know, he's got, he's going to have Bruno Gumresh beside him. He's going to have Sandro Tonali beside him. And just looking at who City might play in that midfield, I know we mentioned it earlier on. It seems to me that they maybe are lacking that creative spark with De Bruyne missing that maybe Newcastle have in Bruno and in Tonali. Yeah, I think it'll be Rodri and Kovacic and then will it be Foden? Maybe Julian Alvarez but then if it's Alvarez you're probably missing someone to match that midfield three of of Newcastle. If Bernardo fit that sense because he has that sort of tactical awareness but he's been ill so whether whether he is available to start. I, th- I think when you mention those names in, in the Newcastle midfield, I think the battle of that midfield three could be could be the key. We talk about Isaac and uh, Haaland, but it's getting the ball to those players and City didn't get the ball to Haaland against Sevilla. If they can win that battle and do that, then that's probably the way forward against Newcastle. But uh, no, I think uh, Tenali, Bruno and Joe Linton is a, a midfield that, it's probably going to be one of, the, one of the better trios that City will face this season. Yeah, it's forced to be reckoned with. Uh, what's the biggest weakness of Man City? Where can Newcastle really look to exploit them? Um, it will depend on the defence, I think. They don't have a left-back. If Nathan Ake plays there, he's he's good at one-to-ones and not a lot will get past him. Um, Gavardiol did did that job on, uh, on Wednesday. He was OK, but there's still... You can't just drop into the the city defence and and get going. You've you've got a lot to learn, and I think City will ease him in. Um, probably one of the fullback areas. Kyle Walker was a little bit shaky against Sevilla, but he, he's also a match for anyone when when he is on form. So yeah, I would uh, I would say that also maybe maybe the right wing. Now Cole Palmer had a very very good game against Sevilla. He's he's still young. If you, if you did sort of give him a physical battle and, and keep him out of the game, then maybe the the ideas in attack are, are lacking a little bit. So probably the wide areas. And all that remains to be done is to ask you for your, your score prediction. How is Saturday going to go? 
I think it'll be a draw. I think Newcastle will put call City problems. I can see both teams attacking, so I'll say 2-2. Two, two. I'm going to go 2-1. I'm just feeling confident. I'm feeling positive. <laughs> I think Newcastle, you know, we, I alluded to earlier, you would go into this game as a, as a reporter and as a fan, just dreading it, mm-hmm. asking what what is the point? And you don't anymore. And the way they performed against Aston Villa and just the general spirit around the club, given as well that, you know, City have had a very busy week of it, I think there's a really good chance Newcastle could upset the odds here and, and come back with all three points. But uh, easier said than done, isn't it? So we'll have to wait and see <laughs> what the score is. But Joe, thank you very much for popping on to the Everything is Black and White podcast. A privilege to chat to you. Uh, to you guys listening, please hit that follow button and leave us a rating and review. To you guys watching, hit that subscribe button and give the video a thumbs up. And head over to chroniclelive.co.uk where we'll bring you all the latest Newcastle night news, including press conference updates from Eddie Howe and Pep Guardiola. And then live coverage of Newcastle United's trip to Manchester City on Saturday evening through our live blog.